0: Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Emotional pain and depression can indicate that someone may be at risk for suicide, but the signs aren't always easy to see or discuss. Most people who take their lives exhibit one or more warning signs. Often the signs are subtle changes in mood, what they say, or how they act. Learn to recognize the warning signs.
2: Suicide is preventable. Recognize it. Talk about it. Act on it. Learn more at RecognizeTalkAct.org. A message from the Virginia
3: Department of Health. Hockey fans, join the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, James Neveau and me, Jay Zawoski, February 24th at the All-State Arena for our annual Chicago Wolves outing. $20 gets you tickets to the game, Free parking, a free hot dog, a free soda, a Madhouse Podcast t-shirt, Wolves Gear, and a pregame meet and greet with Chicago Wolves Brass. Visit MadhousePod.com slash events and click the image for the link to buy tickets. That's twenty bucks for a ticket, free parking, free hot dog, free soda, madhouse podcast t-shirt, wolves gear, and a pre-game meet and greet. Come join us and the Chicago Wolves on February 24th at the Allstate Arena madhousepod.com slash events for tickets
0: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports Mariska's in Crest Hill Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois and by Michael Elwood of Remax First Service serving the Chicagoland area. Here are your hosts NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 the scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck.
1: Welcome in, my friends, to the latest edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, which is actually being recorded while the Blackhawks are in a playoff spot. Spoiler alert, they probably won't be for much longer. My name is James <laughs> Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. With me, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 to score. Jay, probably not going to be in a playoff spot for long because Winnipeg decided they didn't feel like playing well against the Avalanche tonight, but the Blackhawks currently hold the second wildcard spot in the Western Conference. How on earth did we get to this point?
3: Power play, offense, Patrick Kane, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah you know like just having a a incredible power play and a guy having uh his best season Not, I wouldn't say totally unpredictably but uh I thought we all thought Patrick Kane's best year was behind him when he won the Hart trophy and it would just sort of start the decline a little bit and, and still really good player point of game kind of a guy but damn he is putting together just an absurd season uh and he is the reason man he is if you're gonna point at one guy As to why the Hawks are where they are, it's Patrick Kane. Uh, Only two goals tonight, including the game winner, uh, two assists, or uh, plus two, rather. Uh, So the assist streak is over, but the point streak is well alive. And, uh, man, he is rolling along. And that game, uh, I want to enjoy this while we can. I want to enjoy the Hawks being in playoff position. But, boy, as soon as Jimmy Howard left that game, Detroit took that over, and it just Mm -hmm. felt like a matter of time, didn't it?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, and it's hardly a surprise, right? I mean, the Blackhawks got out to a three-goal lead. They didn't really uh, continue to keep their foot pressed down on the accelerator, if you will. Uh, you kind of see them backing off a little bit as the second period went on. And then the third period, they just completely went into shell mode. And Detroit just completely came out guns blazing with the young talent that they have and As they mentioned on the broadcast tonight, on several occasions, the Red Wings have looked really good in the third period of games recently, and this was yet another example of that tonight. I thought that the Red Wings obviously made all the right moves in that period. They were really picking their spots and hammering away at Cam Ward, and he made some great saves, but that dude got no help from the defense tonight whatsoever, and Frankly, that's a pretty good microcosm of the Blackhawks season. The only way that they're going to beat you, they're not going to be able to beat you defensively. They're only going to be able to outscore you.
3: Yeah, that's for sure. By the way, there's one defenseman that I want to mention as having a pretty decent game. Can you guess who I'm going to say? Oh, We've, we We've Trevor we, Daly. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Uh, Blackhawks defenseman.
1: I am going to guess you're going to shout out Connor Murphy.
3: No, I think Slater Cuckoo had a pretty nice game today. Ah, okay. Uh, despite the play in overtime where he almost killed Cam Ward, uh, <laughs> taking down or trying to take down the the blazing speed of Anthony Mantha. Uh, he made a couple nice defensive plays, including one on what looked like a breakaway for Dylan Larkin. Got the stick out there, shut that down, made a couple nice plays along the boards. I thought Cuckoo had a pretty solid game. Excuse me. Whew. And he whatever you had yesterday, I think I'm getting. That's not great. No, that's not great. Um, I haven't
1: even seen you to give it to you. Yeah,
3: I know. Anyway, my stomach is a mess. Anyway, um uh but I thought Cuckoo had a pretty nice game and he's put together a string of some pretty decent games here uh, as of late as well. He played twenty one minutes, twenty-eight seconds in today's game, uh finished even, no points or anything like that. But uh just a pretty solid game for a guy who, you know, you you basically got for nothing in a cap clearing game uh sort of a move and uh, you know Jan Rudo was a contract you wanted to move out it was a guy who was not contributing at the NHL level and when you look at the way things have gone for Sam Bowman uh beyond you know once the season began and he started making moves it's been very positive you know uh Dylan Strom had an assist tonight that gives him uh 36 points in 37 games as a Blackhawk that trades a win uh Brandon Manning was just waived by Edmonton uh, so anything you get out of Drake Kajula is a win. Uh, and uh, Slater Cuckoo looks like a decent pickup. So um, some positive transactions uh, this year. And look, uh, like you said, it's probably going to be short-lived that the Hawks are in playoff position. But um, we have to give them respect. They've won 10 of their last 12. Yeah, it's been a defensive roller coaster. But look, we've got this offense that's capable of four, five, six, seven, eight goals a night now and again um it's just you you never know and, and when I say you never know not that they're going to win a Stanley Cup but look they have battled back to playoff position and I think um I've done kind of a bad job at I keep kind of poo-pooing it like yeah you know it's not real yeah you know it's not real ah, there's too many underlying stats well the reality is they're here the reality is they've done it and uh they've they've played uh well enough to get where they are now and I, and I think The team deserves credit for not just completely folding the tents when Joel Quenville was fired. I think Jeremy Calton deserves some credit for uh, pushing all the right buttons once that tailspin uh, when he was first getting started ended. Uh, It's been supremely positive for the last couple months, in my opinion.
1: Still more of an indictment of the bottom half of the Western Conference than it is uh, is. a ringing endorsement of what the Blackhawks have been doing overall. Now, look, I... I totally get you. I get that, you know, the offense has looked really good. It's been really enjoyable watching them play. It's definitely made games a lot more entertaining than they were last season. I think that uh, one of my buddies brought this up to me before the podcast tonight and I agreed with him that this team is very clearly an offense first defense second kind of squad and they have to be because That's the makeup of their roster. You can't load it up with guys like Dylan Strome and Alex to and Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, and not expect them to score a good amount of goals. And then on defense, you've got I mean, what what in the defensive cupboard right now that's showing can you really point at and be like, yeah, this is really good. I mean, Carl Dahlstrom, sure. Whatever. Slater Cuckoo's been decent. But you look at Duncan Keith, he's getting older. You look at Connor Murphy, hasn't really been great for the Blackhawks this uh, he's, season. He's
3: sort of, Murphy has kind of been, aside from like the beginning of his stretch with the Hawks where he was kind of finding himself and battling out of Quenville's doghouse, he's been kind of the same guy. He's probably their best defensive defenseman right now, but no way can that be the case if they're planning anything beyond a first-round exit.
1: And, that, and that's exactly my point, yeah. is that they... They, they, by design, have to be this team right now. They have to be the offensive juggernaut that's just going to try to outscore you, you know, every single night. And, yes, that is what they've been doing. But is that sustainable? No, I don't think that you're wrong to poo-poo people who are kind of getting geared up for a playoff push by saying stuff like this is not sustainable. Patrick Kane is not going to continue to be on pace to score whatever it is, like 125 points this season Yeah, but we've been saying
3: that for two months.
1: The fact of the matter, Jay, (laughs) is that they're giving up 3.7 goals a game.
3: Is that good? Which is
1: the second worst defense in the NHL this season. And, yes, their offense is spectacular. They're still only scoring 3.32 goals a game. And, yeah, that's top six or seven in the league or something like that. But the fact that you're that close to the bottom in terms of your goals against and the fact that you're still scoring three and a third goals a game – It's not a recipe for success, and I don't blame you for being kind of the rain on the parade kind of guy because that's kind of the way that I'm looking at this. It's really entertaining, but at the end of the day, do I really want to watch them get into the postseason and get waxed by whoever they play in the first round? Not really looking forward to that.
3: No, I agree with you. I I just feel like at this point, the alternative is kind of like, well, it's either this or like the 10 seed.
1: well in the fact yes exactly the problem now is that they're playing too well to probably get into a position where they have a realistic shot at getting the number one pick and drafting jack Hughes. so if you end up having to pick between being an absolute nhl hell with them being in the 11 or 12 seed in the west and having basically no shot at the number one pick or having a maybe outside chance of getting into the postseason and getting waxed in the first round i guess by default in that case i would have to pick the playoffs
3: yeah if those are the only two options that's for sure by the way i want to tell you about our friends at triple threat sports uh for all your team outfitting needs 708-478-6090 they can hook you up with some sweet looking jerseys or whatever you need for your team so give them a call or email them chris at triple com.
1: yes i absolutely agree with that uh they do some wonderful work we see it all the time and like you you always talk about jay The stuff for your softball and baseball jerseys look just as good as the on-ice stuff the Blackhawks wear and whatever else. They're really great at that.
3: No doubt. No doubt. You were going to make a point, though, when I rudely interrupted you. I'm sorry.
1: I no longer remember what that point was. (laughs) As you you did mention to listeners, I did go full-on Artemi Panarin yesterday. Did you shit your
3: pants like Artemi Panarin did?
1: No, no, I didn't. But you know what? I think that may have just been a little bit of John Tortorella exaggeration. (laughs) But, yes, I definitely got afflicted with stum- some awful stomach ailment yesterday that I don't
3: really want to talk about. All right. Well, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're better. You sound good. I was a little worried about your energy uh, as we were going to head in. Like, man, has he got anything left? Is it all you know, in the sewers of Bourbon A at this point? But you sound good. You sound like your energetic self. And uh, I'm glad you're here. By the way, uh, went to Rabid Brewing today, visited our friends out there at Rabid, um, listen to what they did. So, Ray, who runs Rabid, the people who have come to our two events there have met Ray. She's awesome. She's the owner. She called us up and said, I have this idea that we're going to do um, Girl Scout cookie and and uh, beer pairings. So, why don't you bring Addie and Hope over and you guys can work with me and we'll try to come up with some good combos. So, my afternoon was drinking free Rabid beer and trying to pair it with Girl Scout cookies, I have had worse days. Let me tell you. Mm. Yeah, it was phenomenal. And you were wondering
1: why your stomach was hating you. It had too much good stuff.
3: It it, it, it truly did. Uh, then I followed it up with a big steak burger from Freddy's. So, yeah, why is my stomach hurting? I can't imagine why. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> uh, Rabbit is awesome. We tell you about them all the time. Go visit them in Homewood. Uh, it's time for you to drink mythological-level craft ales and drink awesome beer and. Eat amazing Girl Scout cookies all at the same time. Um, so yeah. Anything else you want to add on this game? I I, I think you know it was just uh, the last. Do, two do we games, want to talk
1: about Mike Tirico's broadcasting, or do we want to focus on the actual?
3: Well, l- game. let me get to one more thing. And and uh, the last two games have been defensive disasters for the Blackhawks. Like it's been yes, uh, really really bad. And and there's been one. Uh, similar. Uh, you know, one thing that's common about those two games, and that Brent Seabrook didn't play. Now, I'm not saying why before, before you yell at me. I'm not saying that Brent Seabrook is a difference between them being good or bad by any means. Um, I just pulled an abdominal muscle
1: listening to that. I, I
3: didn't know he had any. Anyway, um, <laughs> I I just I think there is something to be said for like stability and order, and I think even though Seabrook can kind of you see him fall behind plays and get burned often when he's in position he's usually doing a pretty decent job and he knows where to be most of the time um so I do think even at this point in his career all I'm saying is I do think they're 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 a step better with him in the lineup even though he's probably a 5 or a 6 at this point um I think just having him and his knowledge and his savvy is a helpful thing. Uh, And and look, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that him being out was a difference in the last two games, but they have been noticeably worse defensively and they're pretty bad anyway. So (laughs) just wanted to point that out. Just wanted wanted to run it by you.
1: We're going to go ahead and we're going to run the headline on the post-game show podcast page and it's going to say, Jay thinks Blackhawks defense would be better with Seabrook. What probably is, right? I mean, define better. A little bit better. <laughs> so they'd give up three goals instead of four.
3: Maybe. Maybe. Maybe if he's out there instead of uh, Gustav Forsling at the end. Oh, uh, for the
1: love of God. Okay. Can we yes, all right. do it? We have been giving a lot of credit lately to Jeremy Colleton, and rightfully so. He's He's pushed a lot of good buttons. He's made a lot of good strategic adjustments to this team. He's definitely had them in a position to play really well offensively. I, for the life of me, when the Red Wings had six attackers in the third period, why is Gustav Forsling on the flipping ice for the Black? You know Hawks? who else is out there?
3: Who? Dylan Secura.
1: That's really bad coaching. I'm sorry. That cannot happen. That is, that's just an unacceptable lapse from him. That's obviously nothing that you're going to pound away at him for weeks and weeks about, but... It was definitely a moment that kind of raised my eyebrows. I was like, why are those guys out there? Like, we've been lauding him for a while about playing his best players in, like, particular situations, whether it be that last couple minutes of a game when they're, tra- when they're chasing a goal or on the power play or whatever. And in that instance, it's like he just kind of forgot. And it was like, oh, yeah, we're going to go ahead and have that guy out there. It just – it was a bad lapse, and I – I, it didn't lead directly to the goal, but it definitely was not the right move strategically,
3: no. and and I think it's a little different from what we talked about earlier, where in the year where we sort of praised him for letting young guys be out there in key moments, trying to, you know, end the game instead of just like relying on the old dependable guys. It's a little bit different because of the position they find themselves in now right like okay you are competing for a playoff spot for better or worse it's happening and tonight Mm -hmm. was the night where that point that second point would get you in there right and those things matter to players like we can talk all we want about like oh I don't care sell everybody blah blah blah. the the players want to feel like okay look we have we've gotten to this point maybe it's been ugly maybe it hasn't been ideal but we've gotten to this point let us try to win the game and and again if you want to put Carl Dahlstrom out there or Connor Murphy, or you know Slater Cuckoo. Sure, but to have Dylan Secura and Gustav Forzing out there, two guys who I don't think you're ever going to really count on for defense, uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I was sort of scratching my head when I saw that out there as well. Certain, again, not a, you know, oh my God, count and suck sort of a thing, but it just seemed a little bit like, okay, Maybe this is a little too far in the extreme of let's give the kids a chance. We do
1: have to be fair when we give praise to Colleton. We do always have to be sure that if there is stuff that deserves to be kind of called out and questioned, we have to do that, too. We we are an equal opportunity podcast here. We make sure to give people praise when it's due and to give them some crap when it's due. And this is one of those
3: things. All right. Well, what? All right. You mentioned Mike Tarico, his first NHL game. Uh, tonight I was texting with a buddy during the game big Red Wings fan who is wait you uh, have
1: other friends than
3: me shut up uh (laughs) a a big Red Wings fan who is a fan of uh, sports media as well and his thoughts on on um, you said it not me uh Ah! (laughs) his his thoughts on Mike Tarico were that he was a little bit um like amped up in the beginning of the game but I thought I thought overall uh it was a pretty solid it was I thought he did a pretty solid job like hockey's a tough sport to just jump into. And I'm sure he's done some before in some capacity, but uh, I think overall it was a pretty solid broadcast. I think he brings some, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I guess like a Q rating to hockey mm. a little bit. Like you've got like the, the John Forslins and uh, the Joe, what is it? Joe Benetti or whatever his name is. The Capitals guy. Um, It's nice to have a voice that's recognizable on an NHL broadcast. Um, And, and look, the dude's a pro. He knows what he's doing. I think, I heard him a couple times step up and actually have some uh, like thoughts on the game. Like, oh, that was a missed call or that was a – you know what I mean? I like that. I don't mind. I know play-by-play guys are supposed to just call the action. But sometimes I don't mind when a guy sees something that he thinks should be pointed out. Don't always leave it up to the color guy. And that's one thing Tirico did tonight that I enjoyed.
1: I was actually going to point that out, that at one point, uh, I think Eddie Olchek had called out the Blackhawks for having too many men on the ice. And like he was like, all right, that's a missed penalty. And then later on in the game, they missed another call against the Blackhawks. And Tarico immediately said that was the second time they should have been five on three. And I'm like, good, good recall on that. That stuff can kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit, but I'm glad that he's paying attention. And I think that To uh, your friend's point about being amped up about the game, I definitely noticed that he was trying to make almost like in the early stages of the game, he was trying to make it sound like he knew everybody's name and he knew all these angles on these guys, almost like he was kind of trying to prove that he belonged to the booth. And I know. I know that a guy like Mike Tirico, who has been around the block more times than I could ever count and has broadcast countless big games and big stages and all sorts of different sports. He doesn't have to prove anything to anybody, but I think there was just that little bit of, hey, I'm doing this hockey thing now. Let me show off this knowledge and then literally by like the second period. I didn't notice him doing that anymore. I thought he did a great job with everything from uh, pronouncing the players' names correctly, which can sometimes evade certain guys hmm. in this town. Paffel! Oh,
0: Paffel! Sorry!
1: <laughs> um, I, and it it was a really, it was a refreshing change of pace. And like you said, it was kind of cool to have a guy with that kind of Q rating and that kind of, uh, you know, fame honestly calling an NHL game. I thought that was really awesome. I like the way they used him during the winter classic earlier this year. Yeah. Um I could see him doing more of that in the future. I absolutely wouldn't mind hearing Mike Tarico call some more games and then perhaps even get, you know, a playoff series. You know, not not obviously the big one that Doc Emmerich's gonna get, but I think it'd be kinda cool to get him in the booth and uh, doing some games. I thought he did a really solid job and I think that he with a couple more games under his belt, I think he could be a pretty darn good uh, announcer to have in their stable.
3: Yeah, I I think he's already there, to be honest with you. You know, I I think just based on the stable they have anyway, um, I I think that he's already among kind of the best of what they have. So, uh, yeah, thumbs up for me. Not perfect. Um, By the way, I've ever told you this story. This is a great old score story. Uh, Years ago, when Jeff Joniak had his first ever – uh call of a bears game mike murphy i was producing for murph at the time and murph had joni on. he's like okay well we're gonna ask for <laughs> this is so bad he's like all right call in and you guys can let jeff know what you thought of the broadcast i'm like okay well i think most people are going to be cool about it right like they're not going to be jerks everyone's like hey you know jeff i i kind of think you sucked you know you need <laughs> it needs some work it was like one after the other after the other real time telling uh jeff joniak that his debut broadcast sucked that was about as painful a, a segment i have ever produced and i have produced some painful segments
1: well well you know that's what you get for uh trusting in the minds of uh sports radio callers uh that's definitely true
3: and mike murphy that's that's another thing you're just gonna not. You, you also do. need to work on your Mike Murphy impression. I've heard better. Hey, I don't wanna, I don't want to talk or think about him any more than I have to. What's he doing nowadays? I think he does part time at uh,
1: ESPN. One thousand. Oh yeah, I think I. Oh man, I heard him once with somebody with kind of the equally distinctive and at times grating voice on that air, and I thought I was gonna drive my car off the road. Don't do that. You shouldn't do that. Well, I didn't, and it has been a few years, so clearly I'm still here. And he
3: right. did not win. My good. I don't—I don't want you to die. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> Thanks,
1: yet. buddy. I appreciate that. <laughs> All
3: right. Well, let's take our let's take our time out uh, here, and we will uh, come back and do some more big picture stuff. Uh, Bob McKenzie updated the Blackhawks uh, at the trade deadline. We will share that audio with you, and just sort of look ahead. The trade deadline is Monday. It is very, very soon. Uh, obviously, James and I will have a big podcast for you Monday. Sunday is our Wolves event, uh, so it's guaranteed, since we will be unable to podcast Sunday night, that they're going to make a trade on Sunday. Those jerks. I mean, it's going to happen. It's uh, Count on it. Set your watch to it. The Hawks will make a trade somewhere between 2 o'clock and 6 o'clock uh, <laughs> on Sunday while James and I are at the Wolves game. If that happens, we will go live on Periscope, on the Madhouse Podcast Twitter, and break it down in real time from the Wolves game. So if you don't already follow us on Twitter, what are you doing? Twitter.com slash MadhousePod. Who actually says Twitter.com? Except old people like me. We're also on Instagram now. We're on Instagram.
1: I've been liking the work you've been doing on Instagram, by the way. I love the little snippets of the show. Yeah. That's definitely worth a follow.
3: That's something that I was uh, looking to add because I'm very active on Instagram. It's kind of like where I go mindlessly to just kill time on a train or whatever. And I see these videos of like moving text and, you know, just thoughts. So I'm trying to, after every podcast, uh, encapsulate like a minute uh, where James and I break something down and I share that little clip on there on the Madhouse Pod Instagram. So follow us on, on Instagram. It's madhouse underscore pod. For some reason, Madhouse Pod was taken. I don't know by who. I couldn't actually I cl- find uh, it. That
1: sounds like a Gingin Burger prank. Probably. Honestly.
3: Yeah, well, you didn't win, Ging, you jerk. Um. Ah. So, yeah, follow us on Instagram, madhouse underscore pod. We share all kind of cool stuff there. Um. You know, photos behind the scenes, stuff like that. But these uh, little video vignettes I've been making, uh, they, they've turned out pretty well, I have to say. So... Uh, make sure you follow us there and again on Twitter uh, if anything breaks uh, anything big James and I will jump on uh, or one of us will jump on the Twitter and do a live uh, video stream for a while so check that out but f- before our break want to tell you guys about our friends in Crest Hill at Marishka's family-owned and operated since 1933 our longtime sponsor we are proud to be associated with the world champion poor boy makers the Zadralovich family uh, can't wait to get back out there again softball is finally slowing down james tomorrow night is my draft and after the draft it is feet up on the console until april i can't the last two weeks have been just soul crushing with getting the softball league ready but it's almost over um so i'm looking forward to celebrating at Marishka's. bring your friends bring your family go try the poor boy the steaks the chops the seafood the giant onion rings the twice baked potatoes everything there is fantastic and wash it all down with one of their great craft beers visit them at marishkas.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash They are closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. James and I, we come back with the second half of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We'll be right back.
0: The three stars of the week are brought to you by our star real estate broker, Michael Elwood of Remax First Service. Serving all your real estate needs in the Chicagoland area. 708-675-1600. Our
3: number three star of the week goes to Duncan Keith. Why you ask? Well, if you missed the, po- the post game. Uh, from the crazy game against the Ottawa Senators. During that game, Duncan Keith passed the 30,000 minute mark for his NHL career. He is well ahead of the second player, Zdeno Chara, uh, almost 1,500 more minutes than Zdeno Chara in his NHL career. That includes playoffs and regular seasons. So uh, as much as Duncan Keith has slowed down over the last few seasons, uh, that is a first ballot hall of famer. He has won everything there is to win. That a defenseman can win including two norris trophies a con Smythe trophy and oh oh yeah those three stanley cups uh duncan keith one of the best defensemen in blackhawks history and when it's all said and done maybe the best so uh want to honor dunk for his uh, amazing achievement uh just a testament to his commitment to fitness to his athleticism uh 30, 000 minutes logged all for the blackhawks so congrats to duncan keith
1: remarkable uh the way he's been able to stay healthy too even through all of that like it's just a testament to like you said the preparation that he undertakes to get ready for each and every game the seriousness with which he takes his craft i i kind of appreciate the fact that we're uh giving these shout outs to these guys who you know achieve these historic milestones yeah they matter and this is it's this is a big one man this is re- it's really cool See that, And I'm glad that Duncan Keith, you know, hit such a cool milestone. And yeah, it's a testament to just how good of a career he's had in the NHL and with the Blackhawks. And let it never be said, like we may like occasionally dabble in the idea of trading Duncan Keith or, you know, whether or not he's being utilized properly, but it cannot be it cannot be left unsaid just how big of an impact he's had on this team over his career. And I'm sure most Blackhawks fans aren't going to let that get lost in the shuffle. Is he? you know, continues down the road towards the ultimate, you know, end of his career.
3: Yeah, and that's kind of, you know, uh, the end of a dynasty can suck, Um, but I think the one sort of positive to that, to the dynasty ramping down, is you get these longtime guys who uh, just start to accumulate these counting stats, like a 1,000 games or 30,000 minutes or 100 goals, 300 goals, whatever, uh, where they can have that moment to be honored again, Uh, and Duncan Keith uh, definitely deserves one. And I think this has kind of been an under celebrated achievement for Duncan Keith 30,000 minutes is is substantial it's uh it's insane and uh yeah kudos to our number three star of the week number two star of the week we're gonna give it to Patrick Kane number two uh his last five games only 11 points a little bit yeah, of yeah that's not much yeah a little bit of a slump for Patrick Kane uh only two goals tonight too I don't know what what his problem is uh probably out <laughs> drinking too much no I should not say that Boo. Jay what is wrong with you how dare you you idiot so that's my number two star of the week and our number two star of the week. Patrick Kane, who just like we talked about early in the podcast, continues to just put this team on his back and carry them into a current playoff position. For now. For now.
1: Um, but yeah, we're we're all joking aside. We were going to say that Patrick Kane got second star honors because his assist streak was broken tonight. But I mean, when Bush comes to shove, when you look at this, he now holds two of the three longest point streaks in Blackhawks history he owns the longest two point streaks by American-born players he's just every day it seems like he's making some sort of new mark hitting some new milestone doing whatever and all the while just like you said dragging this team back into playoff contention you can give shout outs to guys like Jonathan Taves, who's having an excellent season Alex Debrinkit who we're going to mention I would presume in a minute mm. but Patrick Kane has been playing at an MVP level now for two months it, at this point if he's not at least a heart trophy finalist I think that's probably going to be an upset just based on the way that he's almost single-handedly dragged this team from mediocrity and back into the playoff race. look
3: if you're truly defining most valuable player as the most valuable player and not the guy who had the best season there is no doubt Patrick Kane should win it like Nikita Kucherov is having a monster season, and insane. Even yes. with what Patrick Kane's doing, Kucherov's doing the same and more every night. But he's doing it on the best team in the NHL, Tampa Bay Lightning. He's doing it with a lot more help than Patrick Kane has offensively and defensively. Uh, so I'm not trying to minimize what Kucherov is doing, but if you're saying if you took Patrick Kane off the Blackhawks, they're the worst team in hockey. Period. Yeah. But like bar none, there's no doubt about it. And again, as of 10.02 p.m. Central time on February 20th, the Blackhawks are a playoff team, and it's mostly because of Patrick Kane. Uh, number one star, James, you, you kind of spoiled it, you jerk. But, yeah, uh, I did that. Alex, yeah, you made the
1: Patrick Kane joke. I'm I allowed did. to be a jerk, too.
3: You are. You're good at it. Uh, but the number one star of the week goes to Alex DeBrinkett, 10 points in his last five games, including his fourth NHL hat trick. Pretty remarkable for a 21-year-old kid. He scored his 33rd goal of the season tonight uh and it looks very likely that he'll end the season with 40 goals which is i mean i thought maybe he could max out at that point in his career i never would suspect that in his second season he'd hit the 40 goal mark
1: i I missed the exact number of games back that we'd be going but if you took a specific chunk and a pretty sizable chunk of alex to season. He's on a 60 goal scoring pace recently. Like he's been just an absolute monster for the Blackhawks. And I kind of love the fact that he's not doing it with Patrick Kane on his other wing. I love the fact that he's been able to work with Dylan Strom and he's been able to really kind of get the tempo going on his line and really give the Blackhawks kind of a secondary scoring line. That's been so huge for them lately, and yes, Patrick Kane has played such a big role in this turnaround for the Blackhawks and getting them back into the uh, playoff picture, but the fact that Alex Dabrinkit's been able to give them that second scoring line has just given them that little bit of extra help, too, and I, I think he sometimes gets kind of swept up in all the Patrick Kane love. I We got to give... As much credit as we can to Alex Dubrynkin, who's having a really good
3: season. Well, he is our third star of the week. Thanks to Michael Elwood of REMAX First Service, 708-675-1600. Find your dream home with Michael Elwood. By the way, we did not do three stars of the night because we're doing of the week today. Uh, But Eric Gustafson, three assists and a plus four uh, on tonight's game. And we mentioned the trade deadline. With the trade deadline on the horizon, uh, Bob McKenzie, uh, who I think is the top hockey reporter uh going it's one of my idols in the sport he addressed the blackhawks at the trade deadline on the intermission report so take a listen to bob mckenzie's report on the blackhawks here courtesy of nbc sports net
0: you look at the chicago blackhawks almost hard to believe considering where they were a month ago but they win tonight and there's potential that they could be right in playoff position when they wake up tomorrow so What's their plan for the deadline? Wherever Chicago is, no quick fixes to try and push them over the top, that uh, they're looking at a bigger plan with hockey deals and not looking at giving up future assets for the rentals that are out there. So it's, a, it's hockey deals or bust right now for the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, the development of Dylan Strom as a second-line center, and you saw his magic with Alex Dobrynkit and what, what they've meant to the Chicago Blackhawks, it does mean that Artem Nisimov could become expendable, but he's got two years left at 4.5 million aav that might not be an easy deal to move but it is certainly something the blackhawks would look there's always lots to talk about are they going to move eric Gustafson, the defenseman the the offensive-minded defenseman my understanding is that that's not likely to happen in fact is extremely doubtful that he'd be moved by the deadline
3: so there you have it it now according to bob mckenzie does not look like eric Gustafson's is going to go which is a bit of a surprise Ah, uh, you would think that that would be a guy they're looking to move. They can sort of maximize the value he's, you know, gained by performing the way he has uh, over the last little bit. Again, three more assists tonight, plus four tonight. Uh, he was on the ice in overtime uh, for for most of it, uh, and uh, he has grown into one of the premier offensive defensemen in the league. Now, is if you're going by Bob McKenzie's report do you think that the blackhawks think he can develop into some kind of dependable defender i don't i know you proposed james moving him to forward uh and i'm not totally opposed to that but i I just don't know like is he going to get better than he is offensively probably not right you're seeing him
1: no 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 this is it
3: this is maxed out offensive potential uh, defensively maybe he can get a little bit better but you've got this log jam in the system and it doesn't look like Keith or Seabrook are going to agree to waive their no movement clauses at any time soon you've got to kind of make room for some guys here you got Boquist you got Yokoharu it doesn't look like Connor Murphy's going anywhere if they don't move a defenseman at the deadline uh that that is you know they have to they have to look at moving him I really think they do you know I, I just don't know how much better it's going to get from here
1: I still think there's a chance they move Gustav Forsling by the deadline. Yeah. Don't know exactly what you'd get for him at this point, but that's still a guy that I would kind of point to as a guy who could potentially get moved. I think that the logic of breaking up the log jam, so to speak, I think was on display uh, the other day when they traded Darren Radish for Peter Holland. I mm-hmm. think that that was kind of an organizational move to kind of start clearing the deck a little bit on that side of the blue line. I think that the Blackhawks are, like Bob McKenzie said, they're going to be going for more hockey-centric moves. They're not going to give up future assets. That's so, good yeah, you too, give up way. guys like Artem and Isimov, and I think that's totally fine. But I also think you, if you're the Blackhawks, you just you cannot rule out moving Eric Gustafson. It's not like he's some you know untradable piece that could potentially be part of your future. As far as I'm concerned, he might be one of your best... Uh, bargaining chips at the trade deadline because i think a lot of teams would actually really want a guy that can be that kind of power play difference maker on the blue line and i think that a team might be willing to give you something for him i i don't think they should rule it out and frankly i don't think they have i even
3: if they're leaning one direction or the other well let me ask you this uh with that in mind and i agree with you in general um but what is enough for you to trade Gustafson what would you need back in return to be like yes take him is a third round pick enough is a second round pick enough is a you know a an organization's like a top five prospect in in an organization enough for you to move him
1: It would have to be a defensive prospect, I think, in order for me to do that. I like where your head was at with the second round pick. I don't think you can get a first for him, even if it's a late first. Teams just value those picks too highly, especially at the trade deadline. I don't see that happening maybe you get a little bit more for him like if you trade him in the off season. but that's a huge maybe in this case I think that a playoff team would be a lot more likely to pay a little bit extra to get him now to kind of get that offensive shot in the arm so <laughs> I, I think with Gustafson it would be a lot smarter to trade him now as opposed to waiting until the NHL draft but who knows at this point I- the Blackhawks seem pretty content with uh you know kind of letting the market come to them a little bit and not really rushing into any moves
3: I've kind of gotten to the point though where I'm not just going to trade him to trade him for the hell of it um you know like if you're going to give me like a fourth round pick or some you know Rockford fodder I'm not really interested in that because you have found a extremely flawed but an an extremely flawed defenseman but a guy who has made a huge difference on a power play that's been anemic for a decade. And all of a sudden, it's thriving. And he's a big part of the reason it's thriving. And while, yeah, you know, well, let's, let's, let's move all these assets while we can. I get that. I get that. But there's also value in having a guy that makes your power play good. We have seen the difference it makes when a power play is good. And you can make a bad team good, or at least decent, simply by having a decent power play. The Hawks still have the worst penalty kill in hockey or close second to worst or something like that. The fact that their power play has gotten them to where they are, it makes me not just want to suddenly just pull the trigger on Gustafson for the hell of it. You know, there is value there. He provides, he definitely provides something that they've lacked for a long, long time. And yeah, Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook, those guys are puck movers, but they've never had a high-scoring defenseman like Gustafson. I think Brian Campbell is probably the closest thing that they've had uh, to to the way he's providing just, like, flat-out offense. So, look, he's on a cheap deal. Um, You know, I I say if you're not getting something that is a true asset, like a a third-round pick at least or a legitimate NHL prospect... Uh, I I would maybe hold on to him for another year or or half a year. And who knows, maybe he has another season next year like this one. And you move him at that deadline when teams maybe believe in him a little more. But I'm definitely not just shipping Gustafson out for the sake of it. I need something back that is tangible, that's someone I've heard of. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it's got to be – it can't just be – okay, this this uh, this kid'll go play in rocker for the next five years, and we'll never hear from him again. It's gotta be someone or that matters or a pick that matters. to be I fair, I don't trigger.
1: think that that's something that we're gonna really have to worry about. The Blackhawks don't have to make a panic move here. the The fact of the matter is this is a seller's market, man. This with so many teams still in playoff contention you can definitely extract a really good price for anybody that you're willing to give up. And yeah, you might not get the best return imaginable for Artem and based on the term that he has left and the money that he's still owed. But when you're talking about a guy like Eric Gustafson that can make an immediate difference for a team's power play, I definitely think the Blackhawks, if they decided, yeah, we're going to try to move him, they, they, I guarantee you, would get several really good offers because, like I said, there just are not that many teams that are flat out out of it right now. And I think that if the asking price for other guys that are on the market is too high, maybe teams come around to the Blackhawks and maybe see if some of those fringe guys are available via trade. So I, I don't think that panic move and them getting rid of a guy and not getting an adequate return I don't foresee that being an issue based on how the market seems to be shaking out
3: all right one name I want to throw out there this is not a I don't have any inside information but there's been a lot of smoke around this this guy Jesse Pujarvi from the Edmonton Oilers a what was he number four overall pick for them a few years back has not panned out in Edmonton they might be looking to move him at the deadline I would like the Hawks to try to go pick him up I think he's a guy who is primed for a change of scenery, sort of a trade. Uh, and I would consider moving, you know, a decent NHL piece for him. I think taking a look at a player with that sort of pedigree uh, that was drafted that high, look, we saw what it's done for Dylan Strom. I'm not saying it's it's guaranteed to work again, but uh, that's a guy. I, I If I'm saying, like, what's a, who's a target you'd like to see the Hawks go after? That's mine. Jesse Pugliarvi from the Edmonton Oilers. I would like to see the Hawks make a play for it at the deadline. Do you have anyone in mind you, you specifically like to see chased?
1: No, I, and I think part of the reason for that is that I don't want the Blackhawks. Buying assets right now. I want them to be selling, if anything. Obviously, if they decide to stand pat, I totally get it. Like that, you're in the midst of a playoff hunt. That's fine with me. But I just, I haven't been looking at the market as a buyer. I've been looking at it as more of a seller. So yeah, I think with, I think to your point, as long as you're not mortgaging too much of your future to try to go out and get him, and it doesn't seem like you would be based on the way it seems like he's kind of fallen out in Edmonton, I think he could be a really interesting uh, change of scenery guy. And I don't know if the Oilers are exactly going to be, you know, eager to get back in the trade pool with the Blackhawks after the cajuula uh, for Manning fleecing that occurred earlier this off, this season. But at the same time, I'd be willing to kind of kick the tires on that. And I think if you're going to make a move like that to get a guy in that, could maybe benefit from moving into a new offensive system. I'd be totally behind it. But no, I don't have anybody that I've particularly circled on the market that I want to see the Blackhawks go out and chase. I've been way more invested mentally with who they could potentially move from their own roster to recoup some future assets and maybe get some draft picks or prospects.
3: James, I have an important question for you. I may have an answer. Are you ready for the email of the show? Am I ever really ready for it? You say yes every week.
1: Well, you know what? I'm not going to break that trend then. I'm totally ready.
0: Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod.
3: The email of the show, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Fat Tuesday is close. I don't know when. It's a late Easter this year. I do know that, but Fat Tuesday is coming soon. That's when you want to go to – I mean, you always want to go to Chuck's. Always. But this is the time of year when Chuck's really shines. They're great Cajun food. James, you talked about uh, the jambalaya before. I love it there. It's phenomenal. But they're going to have all sort of Cajun specials around Mardi Gras, around Fat Tuesday. Go visit our friends at Chuck's, Burbank com. Go do it. You're going to love it. And by the way, before we get to the email, you guys may have noticed we only took one commercial break this show. Uh, there's a reason for that. Uh, the, the Spreaker, who is the provider of our podcast bandwidth, and they host and upload our stuff uh, every week, they change their policy that every podcast needs a mid-roll spot. That means we have to add a spot to our post-game shows, which I hate doing because they're so short anyway. That I really feel that the third ad is probably not worth adding because there's one on the front, one on the back that I'm sure people just skip. Um, but they're forcing us to put one in the middle here. Um, so we have to do it or it's just going to randomly play a spot over our podcast anyway. So we'd at least like you to hear what's there. So we're going to do it. So we're cutting back on spots for the full length podcast. We're going to do one spot break per podcast because uh, quite frankly, we want to be transparent with this stuff. They give us free bandwidth, which is incredibly valuable. That um, you may notice, James and I never really mentioned the Patreon or GoFundMe anymore, because frankly, Spreaker has done a good job of providing us a lot of the stuff we need. So, uh, obviously, if you'd like to give to Patreon or GoFundMe, <laughs> feel free. Patreon.com slash Madhouse Pod or GoFundMe.com slash Madhouse Pod. We we'll still take it. your money. Of course. Of course we will. And put it to good use. It's all for the podcast. Always. Um, but, uh, you know, that's. I just want to be transparent. You may have noticed a spot during the post game shows. Not something I want to do. Not something I'm trying to squeeze a couple more cents out of our advertisers by any means. Uh, we just want to. We got to follow the rules, and those are the rules. So with that in mind, we're going to cut back on the spots in the main. Podcast. Okay, enough business. Email Jay, show. We have a
1: breaking news update. Oh, are they? No, the Blackhawks are no longer no. in a playoff oh, spot. Oh my god! The Colorado Avalanche have beaten the <sighs> Winnipeg Jets, and the Blackhawks are now in a tie for that playoff spot. But Colorado holds the tiebreaker.
3: What was your favorite memory of the Hawks being in playoff position?
1: Um, it may have been when we totally forgot to mention that. Jonathan Taves hit Drake Kajula in the face of the stick and caused him to miss the rest of the game. That
3: was a good moment when we forgot to do that. You're right about that. That was a good moment. That was probably my favorite moment, too. I just snorted on the podcast. I'm sorry. You did snort. By the way, you're, if you're wondering why Colorado uh, holds the advantage uh, in the playoff standings, they have uh, two games in hand on the Blackhawks. Correct. Hawks. No, one game in hand on the Blackhawks now. Um, yes, so they
1: are tied in regulation and overtime wins, but Colorado has a game in hand. Hence they have the advantage.
3: Correct. Okay. Email of the show comes from Steve in Glenwood. Steve writes, did you guys read the athletic piece on Marion Hosa? Scott powers went to Slovakia and interviewed Marion Hosa about his skin condition. I had no idea it was that bad. And any doubt I had about Hosa was erased when I read that piece thanks, Scott and Glenwood. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with you. I don't know if I ever like truly doubted that Hosa had a legitimate issue. I doubted the severity of it and they just sort of felt like, eh, okay, this is something we could probably finagle. We got some medical documents showing that this is a situation. Dude. to hear Marion Hosa describe what he was going through the last couple of years of his career with this skin condition is unbelievable. He said he would wake up with pus and blood on his bed sheets. His wife would have to hold his hand while he slept so he wouldn't just itch himself mindlessly night after night. And the medicine he was taking, I don't even know what this means, but I guess it had an FDA black label. He was going to Northwestern every two weeks to get his blood tested to make sure the medication he was taking just so he could play wasn't doing so much damage to his body that he had to stop the medicine. Check it out. If you don't already subscribe to The Athletic, you cannot call yourself a Hawks fan because they've got Scott Powers, who is doing yeoman's work. Literally, the dude went to Slovakia to talk to Marion Hosa. Who else is going to do that? Mark Lazarus is there, too. They're killing it with the Hawks stuff. Uh, but check that out. I'm, I'm sure you saw it, James. But God, that was just horrible to read that, to read the details of what Marion Hosa went through. Uh, and, and to think of, as that was happening, the level of play he was still providing makes it all the more crazy.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we've talked at length on this show about what a great free agent signing he was and what a great influence he was on so many of the Blackhawks players. And I think that includes Jonathan Tabes and Brandon sod and all the guys like that. And to see the struggles that he was going through, like reading that article just really gives you a new appreciation for all of it. And you know, All of his teammates knew about that. And you also know that when the day comes when Hosa's contract expires with the Coyotes, it's still so weird to say that, by the (laughs) way. But when his his contract expires, it would not surprise me in the least to see the number 81 go up in the rafters of the UC or to see Hosa become involved in some way with the organization. And that'll be an absolutely fantastic day. And he will richly deserve it for all the things and the trials and tribulations that he went through and man that article is a really tough read and really great work by Scott
3: yep absolutely as always uh, Scott just going the extra mile uh, more than any reporter I've really ever seen on any beat in this or any town so with that we're going to wrap things up by the way before we do you heard the promo at the beginning our Wolves outing is Sunday it is here it has arrived there are a few tickets left they opened up a new block of tickets for us I think they let maybe ten or twelve tickets go uh, that that now are available. So jump in there while you can. Madhousepod.com/events. Click that link, uh, that image, and it will take you to the ticketing page. Twenty bucks get you ticket to the game, free parking, free soda, free hot dog, free Madhouse podcast T-shirt, Wolves gear, and a first intermission meet and greet with wolves brass again got some details today we're going to meet with the team president of the chicago wolves during the first intermission uh, it's going to be a great time come and join us that game is at 3 p.m sunday by the way so you can come to that game we'll be out of there by 6 or 6 30 can get on with your with your sunday have a nice full night and uh so yeah definitely join us it's going to be a great time uh so looking forward to seeing everybody out there ray from rabbit will be out there our friends from chucks will be out there with us michael elwood will be there as well so it's a cavalcade of stars at the uh, Might house podcast wolves outing but uh, with that i want to thank our sponsors triple threat sports for all your team outfitting needs call chris 708-478-6090 mariska's and crest hill family owned and operated since 1933 chucks southern comforts cafe with locations in burbank and darien visit chuckscafe.com Rabbit brewing the time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales visit the southland legend Rabbit brewing in homewood illinois and of course our star real estate broker michael elwood with remax first service go find your dream home with michael 708-675-1600 until next time for my partner james neveau i am jay zawoski this has been the madhouse chicago hockey podcast
2: At Acuity Insurance, we believe the things you do for your business are heroic. And you deserve someone equally heroic to protect them. We put our all into covering your business so you can focus on the things you love most. That's the power of heart. Acuity Insurance. Wholeheartedly for you.